Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Welcome into the Insiders. I am James Ham. Joining me today, we got Kyle Madsen. I don't know if Kyle can hear. Oh, we're the... just going to do it like that. Okay, I, cool, I cool, 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 cool. I didn't know if you could hear the intro music. I'm guessing you could not. Uh, no, I thought I was going to get it. That's fine. We're working through it. That's how this goes <laughs> when you're trying to do something you've literally never done before. We're we're fixing the we're fixing the hiccups on the fly, and that's fine. That's right. Uh, thank you, James. Kyle, I take over. You. It's, it's all you. you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no. H- hello, everybody. Welcome in. As James said, this is the Insiders. Uh, we're hanging out with you until noon. Uh, I've been out the last couple of days with the plague, uh, but now I'm back. I've got a home studio set up, so that's what we're that's what we're doing. And um, man, it's uh, good good day for it because it felt like that that Kings game last night was the first time maybe all year that. I've watched the Kings lose a game and been like, well, that wasn't a disaster. Like that was just, sometimes you're going to lose. And sometimes teams with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are just going to, going to kind of beat you. And it felt like that's what happened last night. Yeah. This is not a four alarm fire kind of loss for me. Yeah. In all honesty, I felt the same exact way. Like I I think you and I, uh, we text during games and I, I just felt like, okay, like, look, this is a standard NBA loss against a team that's right around you in the standings. You hope mm-hmm. that you get wins like this, but at the same time, this feels like a normal NBA loss where, like, 90% of the other NBA, uh, the other losses this season did not feel like normal NBA losses for the Sacramento Kings. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, Kyle, 100%. Sometimes a team hits shots and and you don't get the, the ball to drop when you need it to in the end, and you lose a game. And for me, yeah. a lot of good things happened in this game. It wasn't all bad. And that's where so many losses this season have been all bad or, or so little to take away from it that you just have to move on, you know, like just yeah. rinse and repeat, just like, okay, here we go. We got to figure out something else. Yeah. When, and the, so there are a couple things with that one, Kevin Durant is impossible. He just hit a couple of shots last night where he just drifted into the mid-range and he pulls up, he gets to that spot just to the right of the right elbow. And it's just a bucket every time and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but the 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 other thing is that's why you don't lose to the Hornets. 
Yes. That's why you don't lose to Portland and to Detroit because you're going to have hiccups like that against the Suns. You weren't going to go undefeated against Phoenix this year. And you smoked a late lead against them last time you played down there. And this one, like we said, you just kind of lost it. But the reason it becomes damaging and kind of the, the two headspaces you have to exist in, in the short term, in the small picture of last night, it's like, yeah, you know what? That looked like the Kings. Like that looked like Kings basketball. Mm-hmm. The other team just hit some shots. The Kings didn't. The Kings made a couple of mistakes and, and the Suns took advantage and they walk out of there with the W. But the big picture is the Kings are now the eighth seed. They are now outside of the playoffs. They are, they are the road team in the first play in if the season ends today. And that big picture, not particularly where you want to be. And it's not because they lost last night, but it's because of all the other bad we've come in here and, and talked about throughout the year. And that's why, that's why I have a tough time being like, yeah, hey, everything's fine. That was an okay loss because really they've decreased the error to the point that you can't lose that one. You, you, can't, you, you, can't, you can't cough up too many more of these games. Yeah, that's the problem, Kyle, is that you have I- eliminated your margin for error. There is no buffer for this team, and that's what they're going to have to live with the rest of the season. You, you're in a, mm-hmm. what is it, a 29-game sprint to the finish line now. You got a back-to-back mm-hmm. against Denver, which is one of the ugliest back-to-backs that you can possibly have, where you're going in Phoenix one night and then Denver the next. And, you know, you got to play uh, at Elevation, Maybe Denver will have a couple of players out. We'll get to that later. But at the same time, like I think the Kings have to they have to find ways to not only take care of the bad teams, but then be more competitive in these games. You can't just say, okay, well, this is, you know, a, a two game losing streak because it's two good teams. No, you gotta go yeah. in there. You're you're two and zero against Denver on the season. You need to go in there and you need to figure out figure it out and, and find some way to win this game. Because that's where you are. You're in desperation mode. You're not a, a yeah. playoff team. You're not. You're not even a play. You're barely a play-in team at this point. You got to figure it out. Yeah, you can't. It, it, they've lost so many games that that they should have won. That now you're in a spot where, yeah, typically, when even when the schedule comes out, okay, what what when's the when's the schedule come out in the NBA? September, early September usually. September ish. Yeah. Late August. So schedule comes out. Schedule comes out in the NBA, and you're cruising down, and you're just kind of looking at, you know, where are the back to backs, where are the tough road trips, this and that. And you see Phoenix, Denver, back to back nights. You're going, okay, that's a scheduled loss against Denver. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's one you're probably just going to lose. Well, now you can't. Like <laughs> now that you don't you don't just get to go. Ah, you punt that Denver game. It's it's whatever. Now it's like, man, you got to go win a game that you probably shouldn't. You got to make up for some of those bad losses from earlier this year, and that that puts more urgency on this game than than you might typically see. If the Kings were 15 games over right now, which they very well could be if they had handled business against the the Hornets and the Blazers and the Pistons and teams like that, um, you'd you'd be in a better spot to to go. Eh, if they lose this game, it's not it's not a huge deal. They're still you know a top three seed or whatever. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, this is one of those times where, like, I don't think. The Kings might be one of the teams that need a break as much or more than anyone, right? The all-star break is coming at a right time, but I don't think it's like physically they need a break. They need a mental break to reset, recalibrate, and come back out. And I I was talking to Jesse before we came on the show, and like some of the good things that happened in this game, number one, De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox comes alive, right? And for Mm -hmm. me, when you're looking at what Fox did in this game, like there were a, a couple of times where I'm like, okay, like, come on, stop shooting. 
Like that mm-hmm. that's enough. Like I've kind of seen enough. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Get right. I don't care what it takes, mm-hmm. whether you gotta lose a game to do it. The the only way the Kings rebound in the second half of the season is if De'Aaron Fox finds himself and finds himself right now. Find yourself, go ahead, go for 40, go for 50, mm-hmm. whatever you think it is that you you need to put yourself out there to to show up on TNT and, and have a big night and get your confidence back and get everything going the right way. What you can't do is have De'Aaron Fox averaging 22 points a game for the last six weeks. That's just not, right. that's not Kings basketball. It's not the way this team is going to win. It's not the way that they're going to move forward. And if that's who he's going to be the second half of the season, then people should start getting ready to watch the Lakers and the Warriors pass you in the standings and maybe not even make the playoffs. And so that's where I'm at. Like, if this is what it takes, a loss in Phoenix on a Tuesday night in February to get De'Aaron mm-hmm. Fox right, that might be the biggest thing to come out of this game. It's that there's a glimmer of hope that De'Aaron Fox doesn't need to find himself during the All-Star break, that he can find himself going into the All-Star break and build that confidence coming out of it. Yeah, they can win any playoff series they're in if De'Aaron Fox is playing like he did last night. Yeah. And that's why I don't have a problem with the 31 shots. That's why I don't have a problem with the 12 threes. If you're going to shoot 12 threes and make five of them every time, then shoot 12 threes every single game. Mm. I, the offense the offense wasn't the problem last night for me. De'Aaron Fox's performance, Demonis Sabonis' performance, Malik Mal- Malik Monk. If you get 60, if you get a, what did, what did Domas have? 30, if you have a 35-point triple-double from Demonis Sabonis. 35, and 18, a, and 12. 35, 18, and 12 with three blocks, mind you. Yeah. If you get that kind of game from him and you get 49 and six with three steals from De'Aaron Fox, and then off the bench, you've got Malik Monk, 22 points, four boards, six assists. Like that should be a W. Mm-hmm. They did enough offensively. I don't, I, I have no qualms with whatever the Kings de- did offensively last night. Would you like more from Keegan Murray? Sure. Would you like more from Harrison Barnes? Like, absolutely. But, I don't think that that you get more from those guys by sacrificing whatever it is De'Aaron Fox needs to do to be De'Aaron Fox. Like he's he is the the alpha and the omega on this team for me. If if he wants to put up thirty shots and he's going to score forty doing so, like just go like go for it. I I had I had no issues with how how he handled last night and he looked great. I thought. Yeah, I thought he did too. Um, you know the steals are back. You know, he had uh, 16 consecutive games with a steal, and that streak was snapped last game. Um, but he came out in this game, and he was active defensively. He had three steals. I thought he was a pest. I thought he, mm-hmm. he probably didn't even get credited for a couple of steals that he should have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a play where he flew in and, uh, and, and tapped the ball out of somebody's hands, and it hit, like, Keegan in the chest, and then they had a fast break. Yeah. You know, they dominated the fast break numbers, which was crazy. Like, they were, like, all of the numbers for this game tells you that the Mm -hmm. Kings should have won. They just didn't. And we can point to, you know, I I know Mike Brown wanted to point to free throw, uh, you know, the free throw disparity where 36 to 24 free throw attempts and how even even the the one late call on Keegan Murray um, before the ball was Mm -hmm. inbounds, that was one of the toughest calls. Like, I don't know how you call that in that situation and basically mm-hmm. go from a, a two-point, what was it, a three-point lead to a four-point lead. That, would, mm-hmm. to me, was just, like, pretty egregious by the officiating, especially if you look at the way the whole entire game had gone. 
mm-hmm. look, if you're going to have those moments, and the Kings have too many of those moments, and that's why they they lose some of these games. Yeah, to me, to me, it all comes down to to what they did defensively. And honestly, I liked I liked the idea of uh, whenever the Suns would go pick and roll, they'd show on it and they'd get the ball out of Kevin Durant or Devin Booker's hands, and they'd make Josh Okoge or or whoever a playmaker. And the the Kings, unfortunately, I just don't think have the horses defensively. Like that's what everything comes down to for for me. Yeah, is they just can't they just can't get stops, man. Like <laughs> that's that's the 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 biggest issue, I think. No, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I do think that the what happened in this game very, very clearly and even the broadcast, uh, because, you know, again, it's a TNT game. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times what we see from a TNT game is that they're talking about other things, not the Sacramento Kings. I think the mm-hmm. hyper focus on the fact that De'Aaron, uh, that DeMarcus Demonis Sabonis. There we go. go. The Demonis Sabonis <laughs> didn't make the all-star team. It was, to me, it's one of the biggest blights on the league I've ever seen. You're you're watching mm-hmm. a guy destroy, destroy a Phoenix Suns team. Again, 35, 18, and 12. And he, it's his third straight triple-double, his fifth triple-double in six games, his 10th triple-double in 15 games. And he's mm-hmm. not an all-star? And I think that that's one of the the big things that stood out to me too in this game. It's just the way that you kind of had to show like the inequalities in the NBA, where this guy's not representing us. How is that even possible that he's not representing mm-hmm. us? So I think that that was a good a good moment for the Kings as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that I mean that's that's honestly kind of what what. I think we we expected to see from from both Domas and De'Aaron like immediately after they weren't announced as all-stars. And we've seen it from Domas. We haven't from De'Aaron as much, and, and we saw it last night. So I, I think you're right. Uh, Domas should have been an all-star. Uh, that's still the case. And um, I, I think you saw De'Aaron kind of uh, stake his claim to that as well on national TV uh, against a really good team. So uh, you love to see it. All right. Let's uh, let's get James six quick thoughts on what happened last night. That's coming up next. We'll dive into some of the uh, minutia of last night's game. What went right? What went wrong for the Kings? Six quick thoughts coming up next on ESPN 1320. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Timmy, everybody. Great job. Next up, we have Samantha. Ten times better performance can make a big difference. Castrol Edge Motor Oil gives your engine ten times better high temperature performance. Castrol Edge. Better oil for maximum performance. Now through March 4th, get five quarts of Castrol Edge or Edge High Mileage Full Synthetic and an oil filter for $36.99, only at AutoZone. Claim based on Sequence 3H test versus API SP test limits. For most of the people that walk in our store, it's been an ongoing, nonstop issue. They're searching, they're, they're grasping at straws because they've been trying other products and they've bought something that they thought was going to help solve their problem, and it didn't. You're listening to Beth, an art support specialist at the Goodfeet store. A client came into my store last year that has had plantar fasciitis for 30 years. He literally walked in with a handful of products and said, this is what I've been wearing. I looked at him, I said, are you kidding me? I've been here for 14, where have you been? For over 20 years, we've been helping people live the life they love without letting their feet get in the way. I'm just sad that he spent so many years with so much discomfort. I helped relieve a problem that's plagued him for 30 years. I mean, how do you not go home and talk about that? See what we can do for you with a free personalized arch support fitting at the Goodfeet Store. Come to the Goodfeet Store in Sacramento, Roseville, Stockton, Modesto, and Vacaville. Now, back to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. We're back in here. That's James. I'm Kyle. Uh, I am not in the studio. I'm doing this show from home, staying isolated. I'm doing my part to make sure that I am not spreading the plague. So, um, James, appreciate you for for letting me hang out. Jesse, (coughs) appreciate you for for filling in for me the last couple of days and for running the board and keeping things going smoothly while I have been out. Uh, It means the world to me. So thank you, guys. Uh, We've talked a lot about the... Kings lost last night to the Suns and kind of the big picture good to come from it, the bad to come from it. Let's dive into some of the minutia though, with uh, James Ham's six quick thoughts. How'd yesterday's Kings game go? Kings insider James Ham has six notes. You need to know here are James Ham's six quick thoughts. All right, let's dive into these six quick thoughts. Number one, more fantastic, Mr. Fox, please. De'Aaron Fox is on. He's one of the most dynamic players in the league. 40 points, rebounds, six assists. He had 10 rebounds at one point, and they took a rebound away, so his double-double went away. Finishes with three steals. He looked extra motivated. 31 shot attempts I'm not in love with, Kyle, but still, mm-hmm. this was De'Aaron Fox, classic De'Aaron Fox, what the Kings needed from him last night. Yeah, man, that's the if if you're gonna have a superstar on your team, that's what you want from him. It, do you want 31 shots every night? No, but on a night last night where he's going bucket for bucket with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and Domas is contributing the way he did offensively, I don't I don't mind that from De'Aaron Fox at all. And and frankly, uh, come playoff time or play in time, given where the team currently is, I, I think that's what they're gonna need on on some nights to get some Ws. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, you need him to find himself, and that's the yep. key to to this loss was De'Aaron Fox finding himself. Let's get to number two. It was real, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Yep. I I will say that's the, you, you talked about De'Aaron finding himself. That was the first time I really felt De'Aaron Fox on the court in in months. It was a the, a stark reminder of just how dominant he can be when he's getting downhill, when he's hitting threes. Uh, he's he's impossible to guard, and you saw it last night. Sorry, yeah. number two. Yeah, and I I do feel like like getting staying on that subject. I do feel like that there are times where we've seen him be effective defensively, but as the offensive weapon that we become accustomed to, it's gone away. And he needed a game like this. He's had a game like this like every five or six games, he needs to start stringing them together again. Uh, okay, number two. Uh, the Suns went small the last time these two teams played to neutralize Demonis Sabonis. I thought Sabonis just completely impacted the game and said, I don't care if you go small. You go small, I'm going to destroy you. Uh, 35 points, 18 rebounds, 12 assists, three blocks, his third consecutive triple-double. He's just been a monster and again, if you were going to look at who lost this game, it certainly wasn't Demonis Sabonis. It was so damn refreshing to see Demonis Sabonis assert his will offensively. I've been asking for that all year. And a spot like that where a team goes small, go be bigger than them, and score the basketball every time you get it. He when they would bring it down, go watch, go watch the end of that game. He would set a high screen and then it wasn't like asking for the ball so he could hand it off to Kevin Herter or whatever. It was set the high screen and then he got his ass down under the basket and he was either trying to get a rebound or he was getting the ball and he was scoring. It's like, yes, thank you. That's, that's what the Kings need from him in every close game from here until the end of time. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I just thought, like, again, you needed a moment like this for him, especially after mm -hmm. what happened last time. Like, the 22-point fourth-quarter blowout, uh, again, you know, them losing a 22-point lead against the Suns last time, a lot of it mm -hmm. you could just point directly to Sabonis not adjusting to them going small and Kevin Durant playing center. You forced them yeah. to put Nurkic back in the game, which is not what yeah. they wanted to do. They thought, oh, look, we're going to start the fourth quarter and do what we did last time, and they started to punch the Kings, but... Sure enough, the Kings came back around. Okay, let's get to six quick uh, quick thought number three. Six man of the year. Malik Monk on a national scale just showed the NBA that he is a six man of the year. Um, again, I thought he was so incredible. He had uh, 22.6 assists. He had a bunch of rebounds as well. Um, he also had a block, which is the wildest thing. That's his 34th block on the season. And he leads the Sacramento mm -hmm. Kings in blocks. That's crazy, Kyle. That you're really not <laughs> your backup shooting guard is leading the league, uh, leading your team in blocks. Yeah, uh, he's um, it, run him his sixth man of the year trophy now. Uh, he's been he's been so freaking good, and the Kings are really really hard to beat when when he's as good as he was last night. Uh, the zero for five from three isn't isn't great, but. You're going to expect him to to knock the to knock those down uh, more often than not. I I'm, <clears throat> I thought Malik was really really good last night and and kind of exactly what they needed. They didn't get a W, but offensively, twenty two and six from your six man, like yeah, you'll take that.
Yeah, and I think, you know, like people in the chat, uh, chatty house want to point out that Fox had six turnovers and Monk had five turnovers. Like, look, this is a 130 to 125 game. And so, mistakes are going to happen in a game like that. And especially when you're trying to keep up with a team that has offensive firepower everywhere. Like, I'm not going to sit uh-huh. here and just roast guys for it. There was not a, a nine turnover game or a 10 turnover game. Like, the. A, a six turnover game when you shoot 31 shots, that's kind of within the norm. Like, again, you play 40 minutes, it's possible you're going to turn the ball over six times. Yeah. And when you play at a pace of 103, and there's a lot of possessions, there's going to be some turnovers. I don't, I, I, I will live with that if it means you're, it, it, obviously, you would like to see them, them cut those down, mm-hmm. but. You can you can live with that in a in a one game sample if it means that that you're getting that kind of production from them. Yeah. Now the the next step is is getting that production without giving the ball away. Yeah, and I would point out too the team had 13 turnovers total and, and 27 mm-hmm. assists. Like that's that's not mm-hmm. a bad number. Um, okay, let's get to yeah. point number four. Uh, Kevin Herter came in looking for a shot and then he didn't. Um, he started four or four from the field for 10 points. He finished four of six, two or three from long range. Three rebounds and a steal. Got into it with Mike Brown for a missed defensive assignment. Uh, kind of a weird game for Kevin Herter, but I think that that's a trend we're going to continue here for the next three quick thoughts. Yeah, man. Um, weird year for Kevin Herter. I just they they need him, but also I don't know that they they need him for their offense to function at at its highest level. At least that's kind of what we've seen. Um, but also when Fox and Sabonis and Monk are going like they did last night, he needs to be able to affect the game in other ways, defensively grabbing rebounds, uh, moving the ball. And he just didn't, he's just not, not an impactful night for him at all. Yeah, I thought so too. He's a negative eight overall, which isn't horrible, but, um, you know, still you needed more from him. And, and that brings us to, to number five in the six quick thoughts. Uh, Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes were non-existent for for much of the game. Uh, Fox, Sabonis, and Monk were partially to blame for this, taking a ton of shots. But mm-hmm. you can't have your two starting forwards combine for, uh, I got 15 points on 7 of 17 shooting. They each oh. had five rebounds. No assists, though, uh, for, for Barnes. One assist for, for Keegan Murray. Uh, that's just, Keegan Murray took, Two three-point attempts. That doesn't make any sense. Too so good for that, yeah, no. and, and yeah, so, he's way way too good of a shooter for that. Yeah, you got to figure it out. Like both of them are way too good of a shooter to go one of six from from three. And I don't even worry about the one. I worry about the six. Like if that was two mm-hmm. for twelve, okay, then we're talking about hey, you should have hit more. But that's where you need to be. You need to be at the 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 twelve mark for these guys to be successful. Yeah, and it's it's a little bit tough because I, I think when when you have Fox and Sabonis and Monk, who are who are the clear cut top three offensive options, rolling like they were, it's probably tough for Keegan Murray, who's not a, a, an assertive type of loud guy anyway, to, to step in and be like, "Hey, give me the shot." Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I, they need to they need to be more more uh, boisterous and more vocal. Uh, let's get yeah. to our last six, uh, the last of the six quick thoughts. Um. Somebody else has to step up. Trey Lyles and Sasha Vizenkov are out. Uh, Vizenkov out is out for a long time. Trey Lyles uh, had a cold or something. 
Um, but the the tandem of Davion, well, the group of Davion Mitchell, Keon Ellis, Kessler Edwards, Alex Len scored a, a combined three points. And I know that you've no. got Monk, but somebody has to do something. And that's something, you know, defensively, I thought they were fine. But, uh, and you, yeah, Alex Len, we got to throw in there. Yeah. They, they've got to find some way if, if Trey Lyles isn't going to be there. You can't just say, well, the bench is going to suck tonight. And it's not, it's not, and I know we got to go quick, but it's not just the three points. It's that Davion Mitchell's three field goal attempts were the only field goal attempts from those four players. Yeah, that's wild. They got nothing from, from anyone else on the bench. I'm with you. They're, they're, they need to, I, I think that's an off-season priority for the Kings is, is fixing that depth. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, all right, Kyle. Well, all right. yeah, we're going to step aside, right? Yeah, yeah, we sure are. We'll have plenty more diving into this uh, Kings loss to the Suns, and we'll begin looking ahead to uh, Kings Nuggets tonight as well. Uh, that game suddenly has a little bit more urgency than maybe we thought it would have. But more Kings Suns coming up next on ESPN 1320. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen, brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Yeah, we're talking Al Roker. On the insiders. Uh, if you're watching, I'm showing off my Al Roker autograph. I'm very proud of it. It's one of my prized possessions. And uh, I just love random little things like this. And I love Al Roker. So uh, I had an opportunity to get Al Roker's autograph. Like I feel like the Al Roker picture is like a big hit. Every time someone sees like, oh, what's going on with Al Roker behind you? Right. That's why it's great. Like I grew up, lo- I Roker because my mom would always watch the Today Show, right? Mm-hmm. And the weather was the thing I could like I could engage with like, cause I, I was like five, right. I didn't know what the news was, what was going on. Um, you know, Katie Couric shout out. Um, but Al Roker would, and he's talking weather and I'm like this, I get rain clouds, sun. That's me. I got you Al. And he's like, here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. I'm like, how'd you know it's my neck of the woods? Al thanks. It's so uh, yeah, <laughs> shout out to Al Roker. It's my guy. That's amazing. It, and, uh, it's personalized to me. No big deal. No big deal. This isn't just them. All right. Um, I got to do a radio show. I, I grew uh, up on uh, Days of Our Lives. So, yeah. Oh. I mean, I had to run the VCR for my mom. So my mom would be like, I don't know how to do it. And so I would have to go in and program the VCR to record Days of Our Lives every day. Oh. So, so I, I Were you just locked into Days? Do you well, still I, watch it? I don't still watch it, but I grew up like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. What shows did you grow up watching because of your parents? Let us know. 916-909-1320. That's 916-909-1320. The Sacramento Kings fall to the Suns last night, 130 to 125. Um, James, I think one of the big picture things as we kind of zoom out a little bit here is the Kings are now, after finishing in the number three seed last year, they have now fallen to number eight in the West standings this season. They're 30 and 23. They're a game back of the Mavericks. They're two games up on the Lakers for the nine and three games up on the Warriors from the 10. So they are three games from falling out of the, the play in entirely in a game and a half from being in the playoffs. They're in a little bit of a weird spot. Is this a thing where, where you think Kings fans, should they be concerned or is this just kind of, eh, you expected this this year? No, absolutely. You should be concerned. Like if you're a Kings fan mm. that's out there and you're looking at the standings, you should be going, well, that's not great. That's not great because you still got like five or six games here in, in this stretch of games that are really, really difficult. And if you lose your yeah. way here, 
that could make the next 10 games look even worse. Like this team just came off the this great road trip, right? Where they go five and two. And now the vibes are gone. This is bad vibeville. And that's you know, that's not what you expected, especially coming out of the even the the big win over over Denver on uh, over the weekend. You're like, okay, well maybe they're back. And then no, they're not. They they come out against an OKC team and they're just flat. I think the one good thing that they can point to is that even if you lose these two games right here, you come right out of the break and you play San Antonio. And San Antonio, mm-hmm. while Victor Wimbanyama is is just like a gift to the NBA. He's a marvel. He is a marvel. Um, but even though he is that, you know, they're not a good team and you can you can get right then, but the schedule just keeps coming at you. You've got the Clippers, you've got Minnesota, you got Denver again. Like you got a really mm-hmm. tough stretch of games here and you can't just like lose them all. You can't just like oh 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 well, <laughs> like it happens. I yeah. guess you can lose them all, but it not yeah. if you want to be a playoff team. <laughs> I yeah, I ideally you're not you're not losing all of them. Uh some some good news. They play Dallas twice. So they have two more games against Dallas. Uh, they have two more games against Denver, but I'm looking for teams around them. Uh, they are done with Golden State for the year. They correct? got one more against, against the Suns. They're done with the Pelicans for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. They have two more against the Lakers. And Are they up 2-0 on the Lakers on the season? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. They beat them in OT in October and then kicked the heck out of them in November. Well, you've got... 2-0 on, on Denver. You got 2-0 on the Lakers. You've got a split with Golden State. You got 2-0 on, uh, on Dallas. So there mm. are some good things that we can talk about here when it comes to yeah. where they are in the standings. And you, you've you won the season series against uh, OKC, right? I think you're 3-1 to OKC. Or maybe it's um, maybe it's 2-1 with OKC. But either way... I think it's 2-1. Yeah, yeah 2-1 with one more to go. Yeah, you've got a lot of a lot of good things, but that doesn't matter when your overall win loss record isn't good enough. I mean, again, this yeah. team is seven games over five hundred. We we're talking about it earlier that they got to ten games on, over five hundred, and they last season they didn't get there until the twenty sixth of February. This year, you're you're watching and you're like, okay, can they even get there to the, by the twenty sixth? I don't know. Um, the the stretch of games here are tough, but also just overall they aren't. They aren't playing up to like a level that would make you think that they're a four or five or a six seed. They're playing to the it's level incre- of an eight seed. It's incredible though, because last year they were literally they won their fifty third game to go to thirty and twenty three, and they were a top three seed in the West. Yeah, top four. Well, it's just it's crazy how different the West is this year. It's it is brutal, man. It's brutal, but also like that's what we kept saying last year, and people kept arguing arguing with yeah. me and I kept saying yeah. like look this is not where a typical third in the west team is it's mm-hmm. just not it's you got a yeah. 48 wins is not the third seed in the west it had only been the third seed in the west like one other time that's not i mean yeah. there's a time where the phoenix suns won 48 games and didn't make the playoffs like the play right. like the top 8 they didn't make the playoffs with 48 yeah. wins and it wasn't that long ago so, like, look, you got to figure this thing out right now. And and I kind of, you're looking, they didn't mix things up. They're going to rely on continuity. But then you have a couple of injuries and, and you start seeing the depth of this this team might be an issue, especially the bench. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't have another natural scorer off the bench, that's a problem, right? That That's mm-hmm. a big-time problem. And 
It's not like they have somebody waiting in the wings that might be able to score a bunch. No, the pieces that you have that are on your bench are specialty pieces. The Alex Lynch, JaVale mm-hmm. McGee, Colby Jones as a rookie, but Keon Ellis and Kessler Edwards and, and Davion Mitchell. Like, if you can get 10 points out of one of those guys one time a week, okay, but that's not even guaranteed. None of those guys are natural scorers. So, yeah. like, you've got to be able to produce this thing in a different way now, especially I know we kind of, like, didn't really worry about Sasha and his impact on the team this year, but if Trey Lyles isn't there, you're in trouble. Like, this yeah, this man. team needs at least one more scorer off the bench, and that's just another list of things that you didn't address at, at the the NBA trade trade deadline. I think I think kind of the realization that that sets in here is that like when you run it back and you put the same team out there, you're gonna kind of get the same result. It looks different for sure. Like some guys are better than they were last year, some guys are worse, but I, I <laughs> they they had basically the same the same core group going out and and playing games night in and night out and they have the same record and now they're just dealing with the west that looks a little bit more normal yeah in 21 22 48 wins was the number six seed mm. and that's kind of like that's that's just the the reality of of the situation like of course like looking back on it we talked before the season there were the people who were hyper pessimistic about the kings and then it was like okay well in theory you get better performances from this guy and this guy and Kevin Herter coming off a career year. If he can build on that and da, 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 da. And you could paint this picture where, yeah, Hey, the Kings can go win 55 games this year. But then the reality of the NBA is I, I you just, I, you have some guys regressing. You have some guys, maybe not growing at the rate that, that we thought they would. And when your big offseason acquisition of, of Sasha Vizenkov and, and Chris Duarte aren't working out, then you're probably going to kind of just have the same team you had last year. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what, what we're, what we're running into Kyle. And I think you, you bring up a name there that like, there's a point here where you're going to need Chris Duarte. Like again, if, if you're not getting the productivity out of, out of whether it's, you know, again, Keon Ellis or, or Davion Mitchell, like there are nights where Chris Duarte can score. Chris Duarte can Mm -hmm. give you something on that end of the court and he's not shy about it. And mm-hmm. he was healthy last night. He was a healthy scratch. Uh, he was cleared to play earlier in the day, and and he just didn't. So I'm almost looking at that and saying, okay, well, first of all, you might as well just wait on Duarte until after the All-Star break and give his ankle an extra mm-hmm. week and a half to to heal up. Mm-hmm. But you need him. You might need him. Yeah, yeah like, I agree. Especially, again, if Trey Lyles can't go, this team looks a whole heck of a lot different. Yeah, man. And Chris Duarte, like, in theory, makes so much sense. He's a very good defender, and he can knock down a three. And if you have a reliable defender who teams have to guard on that uh, on the offensive end, like, that's so helpful for, for, for Sacramento. And they just haven't gotten it yet. But our guy Michigan Wolverines in the chatty house said, I still believe this team can be a six seed. It's like they definitely can. Yeah, like a hundred, like a hundred percent. This is not this is not a a death sentence for the Kings because they're now the eight seed. Like it's just that's not that's not the case at all. But they're not going to get there by doing what they've done: win four, lose two; win one, lose one; win two, lose two. Like they're just kind of they're just treading water right now, and that's and that's fine. But at some point, there needs to be active growth and progress. And I just don't know. Maybe we, maybe we see it out of this roster. Maybe De'Aaron Fox looks like an MVP candidate again. 
and Demonis Sabonis continues to be as impactful as he's been the last couple of weeks. And we see a different version of the Kings after the all-star break. And that'd be, that'd be great. And in that, in that event, then yeah, for sure they can get the number six seed, but if they're just going to kind of keep being this team where, yeah, Hey, they might, they might take Milwaukee to overtime in Milwaukee. Uh, but they also might lose to the Hornets at home or the Pistons at home. Yeah. If that's just what they're going to be, then yeah, they're probably a play-in team. Yeah. At best. Yeah. I, I think it's tough. Uh, so bonus, like one of the real keys to this game to me mm-hmm. was that Sabonis got picked on big time last time they played the the Suns in the final mm-hmm. five minutes of the game where, you know, they, the Kings blow a 22 point lead and, and I, I'm not blaming Sabonis completely for the blown loss uh, for, for the loss and, and for the way that they, the whole game unfolded, but the inability to adapt in the situation stood out and, we get to this game last night, and I think that that was one of the the keys to, like if we're going to look at the two keys to how they, it, I guess, point to things that are good, the positives to come out of this mm-hmm. game. Number one, it's, it's De'Aaron Fox's blowout game where all of a sudden he looks like De'Aaron Fox, but I think this is mm-hmm. equally as big where you have a, a big man who struggled in a, against a specific situation um, which again, we can look at the playoffs and how we struggle against Kevon Looney and say, mm-hmm. well, they didn't really figure it out. Well, he figured this one out last night. And to me, that yeah. was a, a big, big moment for the Kings. Do, I I could not agree more. And this has been one of my big things with, with Demonis Sabonis this year is the triple doubles are great. But when you went and looked at like his his numbers in in crunch time or clutch time or whatever the NBA calls it, five point game in the final five minutes. Mm-hmm. Everything across across the board went down. His shot attempts, his points, his assists. Like he just wasn't that he was not a part of of the the game for for the Kings. And he's too good for that. Like he is too good of a player to just in crunch time, like he is just an absence on the floor. He gets the rebound, gives the ball away, and then never sees it again. And last night I thought was was dramatically, dramatically different. And that was one of the problems that we talked about the last time they faced the Suns was the Suns went small and Domas was sitting there trying to run the dribble handoff game and he'd get it in the post and then he'd turn and face up. And we we talked about it on the radio. It was like, bro, back that player down into the rim and put the ball in the hoop. That is how you do it. He had the play late where he just shoulders right through uh, Kevin Durant, goes up for a shot, misses it, grabs a rebound and puts it back in. And it's like, okay, there you go, big boy. Yeah, Uh, that's like... Yeah, dominate the dude. He's a stick figure. Dominate him. Right. And that's that's what that there there's a I guess like a passiveness to to his game or a a desire to um consistently just like make the right basketball play within the the scope of the scheme and the system. And it's like that is great for like 46 minutes. But in a tight game like last night, I would like to see him go get his shots, and and he did. He he really really impacted that game. And if you get that version of De'Aaron Fox and this version of Demonis Sabonis, where that duo can just go like pick and roll and pick your poison in in late game situations where Sabonis is going to be such an effective scorer, it's going to be really really difficult to to stop the Kings in those spots. And I think you saw it last night. The bigger issue last night was defense to me. Yeah, I had I had no qualms with how they did anything offensively, but 
at some point you have to get stops like 130 points is too many no I, I agree with you but I also think that the way that the Kings were were basically structuring their defense was to allow if someone else is going to beat you and yeah, then right. then you're going to lose right so <laughs> you look at the the box score Grayson Allen goes two of five from three um, I thought they did a nice job uh, limiting uh, Kevin Durant goes 11 of 17 so he has a good night 28 points 11 rebounds four assists but the fact that he only took 17 shots deal, the fact that Devin Booker only takes 17 shots is a big deal because what you were able to do them. And for the most part, I think Devin Booker started like one of 13 and then hit his final. Well, maybe it was one yeah. of 11 and then hits his final six shots like he came alive. But where you really lost is the Eric Gordons of the world uh, going four of nine from three. Royce O'Neal yeah. hitting two huge threes. Josh Okogie hitting a wide open three. Nasir Little in crunch time, hitting a big-time three. And, of course, Grayson Allen, uh, you know, hit two of five. It's these e uh, extra guys. And the reason I bring those guys up is because the Kings didn't have one of those guys in this game. Mm -hmm. All those extra guys that we're talking about, the Kings have those guys as well. They didn't do that, and that's why you yeah. lose. It's not because Sabonis and Fox scored a combined 75 points and throwing Monk, now you're up to 97 points. It's that yeah. you got so little out of everyone else where the Suns didn't. They, they just didn't. You got 19 out of Grayson Allen. You got 23 out of out of. You got nine points out of Royce O'Neal. You know, even the the three points out of out of Nasir Little that matched everyone on your bench outside of uh, Malik Monk. And again, Josh Kogi, seven points. That's that's more than you got out of everybody outside of Malik yeah. Monk off the bench. And so. That's where I think really the Kings have to figure out, like, how do we get everybody else involved in what is this crazy train that is Fox and Sabonis when they're rolling? Yeah, and that's uh, that's where the coaching staff can make adjustments over the All-Star break. Uh, you can start having those conversations with with your role players and, and defining roles for them and saying, like, this is what we need from you on a nightly basis, this is what we need from you on a nightly basis, instead of just, like, yeah, hey, here's this really, like, democratic offense where everybody's going to get involved, and then, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, nobody knows what to do when the game's on the line. Yeah. I, I, I think I think there's a pretty clear-cut way that the Kings need to operate in crunch time, and that's what we had last night. I think it was tied with five minutes left. There's a two-point game or something like that with five minutes left, and, and I thought the Kings executed really well, and the Suns, you know, they made shots. Yeah, Kyle. Kind of and I would point out too, like some of the reason why Sabonis is quiet in the final five minutes is because both De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk are are mm -hmm. just crazy electric and that's what they do. They they try to own that final sure. five minutes of the game. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that he can't do anything um, and that you just use him as a decoy. But I also, I'd factor in a couple other things like the fact that he's a bad free throw shooter and teams are going to mm -hmm. send him to the line in the final five minutes of a game. Um, although he has gotten much, much better. Like his his focus sure. on at the line has been phenomenal over the last couple of weeks. Um, but those are things where I like there it's not just, hey, he needs to be more impactful in the final five minutes of a game. I still think he is being impactful. It's just in a, a different way. He's sitting there fighting to get rebounds. He's he's setting his teammates up. I do think it there is a way in which he can be more productive uh as far as a scorer, but overall you know, it's hard to fault a guy who puts up 35, 18, and 12. Oh, no, that, but that's, but James, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is I, I want him to do what he did last night. He shot it 11 times in the fourth quarter. He was, he was active 
and involved offensively and getting down in the post and being available, ready to, when he caught it, not facing up, not looking for who to pass to, not saying like, hey, can we get Kevin Herter in the mix for a three here? Like, no, man, just get the ball and put it in the hoop. And sometimes you're not going to get that opportunity because like you said, it is going to be De'Aaron Fox. It is going to be Malik Monk. But I think Damana Sabonis is a skilled enough player and a skilled enough scorer. And you saw it last night. He had 35 points. Yeah. And and a couple of big shots. And and the one we haven't talked about when you you brought up officiating a little bit earlier, the play where he got Devin Booker in the air and Booker like lands on him and he goes up and scores and there's no call. That was insane. Yeah. Like that is just bananas. That should have been an and one. Like that was a, a very, very clear and one to me and it didn't get called. So that's that's all. Like I thought last night was was great. I thought it was a really good distribution of of Fox and Sabonis and and Monk down the stretch. I just don't want him when he when he does get the ball in the on on the block. I don't want him to do what he did last time against Phoenix and and uh, face up. No. I just want him to to go back down whatever smaller player is guarding him and score. And that's what we saw last night. And and I thought it was effective. Yeah, I totally agree. And I want to bring up there, there, uh, Gio Lobo in, in the chat um, says role players are scared to shoot because of Mike Brown. Um, man, you couldn't be further off base on that. Hmm. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. I've never one time ever seen Mike Brown yell at a player because he shot a ball. Ever. The only reason <laughs> Mike Brown yells at anybody <laughs> is because they missed a defensive assignment. Like, that's why every single time you saw him pull Terrence Davis aside and literally teach him the defensive set again, that's all he's doing. And he was upset right. with Kevin Herter last night because Kevin Herter missed multiple defensive assignments and allowed guys wide open threes. And so, yes, he got pissed. But those guys aren't afraid to shoot because of that. If anything, yeah. those guys need to be more vocal and say, hey, look, you guys are rolling. And, uh, like, I, I get it, we can ride the hot hand. But at the same time, our our entire offense is predicated on on sharing the ball, and you probably mm-hmm. need to get some of these guys more involved and make them feel like they're more part of the game because you might need them. And late in the game, I thought mm-hmm. they needed Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray started to step up as like a third offensive option, and then, it, again, they went away from it. And you mm-hmm. need to empower him and, and keep doing that uh, throughout the game. And I, that has nothing to do with Mike Brown. Everything they do, Mike Brown. This offense moves so fast. And Mike says this all the time, but this offense moves so fast. They don't look to Mike to call a play. This team is calling the plays on the fly. They're, they're, mm-hmm. you know, Malik Monk had a play where I think he had a layup with 21 seconds on the clock. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no time for Mike Brown to say, "Hey, wait, let's, uh, let's run horns, horns." Yeah, no, like, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not happening. Like this thing is moving too yeah. fast and, um. <laughs> You know, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, Mike Brown yells at players because they don't play defense, and he's going to continue to yell at players who don't play defense. That's the way it is. But he yells yep. at everybody for not playing defense, and so does his staff. And and yep. that's who they are, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Hey, real quick, since Demata Sabonis had a triple-double last night, the Kings are now 9-9 nine and nine when he has one. And remember, we talked about this. We we're like, mm-hmm. "Hey, what's the deal here? Like, how does this? Because it's not. It's not. It's not like he's. It's not like. Remember when Russell Westbrook was hunting triple doubles? Yeah. And he would like grab a rebound, and instead of putting it back because he needed an assist, would like throw it out to somebody to have him shoot it. Yes. Because he was. It's not that right. So we were trying to figure it out, 
And I did a little deeper dive last night. So the Kings in the nine wins when Demonis Sabonis had a triple-double, and this gets back to my defense point, they've allowed 113.5 points per game in those nine wins. That is 13th in the NBA. Mm. In the losses, in the nine losses, they've allowed 125.9 points per game. That would be last. And the correlation is the nine wins have come against five playoff teams, four non-playoff teams. And the nine losses have been against eight playoff teams and one non-playoff team. Mm. It turns out that good teams have an easier time scoring on Sacramento. Oh, wow. I, I, I would not have assumed that. That's I, Right. I did a deep dive analytics search to figure that out. So you're all welcome. You're you're you can, welcome. You can use that. Just credit me with the with the research. I, I'd also <laughs> like to see what uh, in the nine losses, what mm-hmm. are different. What is De'Aaron Fox's numbers look like? Mm, I can do that for you. I got nothing but time. You got nothing. I'm but not going to do it right now because we got we got stuff going on. But we later. do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Last night he had forty though. I can tell you that much. He did, and they lost. It's just it's just hard. It's just right. It's just hard to stop Phoenix, dude. Like Phoenix has got a bunch of dudes who can put the ball in the basket. Yeah, and they're and just last they're not empty calories. They're just like I've never seen a a player who leads the league in rebounds and you think that it's completely empty, except for one time when uh, Oldham Polonies led the league in rebounds and everyone just said, "Well, he's getting all those rebounds on missed free throws." Um, that's the one time where I remember <laughs> people saying, "Oh, Oldham Polonies, yeah, he he did not do sure. okay." But outside of that. Like a guy who goes out and gets 18 rebounds in a game, he's not padding his stats. He's just dominating. Sure. You know, and yeah. every time he missed, he he was right there to grab his own rebound and put it back. Okay, hey, but he's James, not. You don't have to defend. You don't have to defend Domas to anybody here. Yeah, we no, all. That's get true. It. That's true. Everybody, everybody here gets it. If somebody in San Francisco doesn't, that's on them. That's true. You know. <laughs> so that's that's kind of that's just that's just where I where I land on on the whole thing. Uh, really good edge. It, it, it just it literally came down last night to the Kings couldn't get stops. It was nothing anybody was doing on offense. No, I totally that's, agree. If if you're like, hey, Keegan could have scored more to make it so they had 131 points. Like, okay, great. I I, I agree. I guess, but. Yeah. Um, I, I I would guess that Mike Brown probably does not agree. Yeah, um, I, I bet he would have quarrels with 130 points. So, all right, uh, let's shift gears real quick because uh, the Kings are shifting gears real quick. They face the Denver Nuggets tonight in Denver. Let's talk about that matchup next on ESPN 1320. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or whatever. Wherever you get your podcast, you'll be glad you did. Hour number two. That's James. I'm Kyle. We're taking you right up to noon. Then we'll hand it off to D'Lo and KC. Um, we've been discussing a lot about the Kings loss to the Phoenix Suns, but let's look ahead to the Kings game against the Nuggets tonight. Uh, <laughs> in Denver, second night of a back-to-back, the most brutal back-to-back you can have. Not only on the road, you've got to go Phoenix, then to Denver. You've got to deal with the altitude. And James, we've we've t- 
talked about this with with the loss to the Suns and some of the bad losses the Kings have had elsewhere this year. Um, I don't know that I don't know that you can suddenly just punt this one as a schedule loss. Oh no. Like this is you've got yourself in a situation where you you've got to go in against a team that for some reason you're a good matchup with. Uh, I'm not sure what the reason is, why it is that the Sacramento Kings have kind of had the Denver Nuggets number. Um, but you know, again, they're two and zero this season. I we saw them on Friday, and the the Nuggets were on the second night of a back to back, and they they were dragging. Uh, they they mm-hmm. definitely didn't look like the Nuggets over the last like couple of years. But for me, uh, you watched game. And I just look right away at the numbers. De'Aaron Fox played 39 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, Domanis Sabonis played 38 minutes and 58 seconds. 37 minutes for Harrison Barnes. 33 minutes for Malik Monk. 33 and a half minutes for Keegan Murray. Man. Like, you kind of went for it against the Suns and came up short. And never a good thing because there's a good chance you're going to look like what Denver did last week when you played them, when you play them tonight. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't matter. The Kings don't have that. They don't have that option anymore to just mail in a game. They need to come out and they need to enforce their will. And when you get to the third quarter and, and your body starting to betray you and tell you that, you know, maybe the three-point shots won't go in, you need to find something else. You need to find more within. And you mm-hmm. got to go out there and say, look, tomorrow I'm getting on a plane and going somewhere and, and sitting on a beach for a week. Today, I got a job to do, and I have to be hyper-focused, and I got to go out there and figure out a way to be the team that we're 2-0 and against. Yeah, and 2-0 and against. Denver is has been on a back-to-back in both of those games, but the Kings also appear to match up okay with them. Mm-hmm. So this isn't, this isn't a spot that, you know, you're going into the all-star break. You know, there's no game tomorrow or the day after that. You're going to get to go home. You just can't check out early. So I, I think that that this is a spot where Sacramento can surely go in and at least play well. I I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a must win, but I think if, if you can finish off the first half, quote unquote, the first half, <laughs> if you can finish off the first half in game 54, with with a really strong performance that you can then build on going into the second half where you go, okay, you went to Phoenix and Denver and you lost both of those, but at least X, Y, and Z went well and you feel good about that moving forward. I think that would be okay too, but you cannot just punt it. You, you can't you can't take the night off. You, you, they, they don't have the margin for error to do that. No, and, and that's why you don't want to get yourself in this situation, realistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you need to like try to avoid situations like this. this should have been like what you talked about, Kyle earlier that these are scheduled losses. Like you look at it early in the season, you look at your schedule, you take out a red pen, you, you circle the seven game road trip, you circle a six game road trip, you circle the, uh, the string of games where you have a back to back, but you have a game. You're, it's the third night and third game and four nights. And then that back to back carries over. And then you play another, game so you literally get stuck in a string of three games and four nights like you need to look at all those things but this is one mm-hmm. that you just circle x out and say okay we're going to lose both of those games or at least there's a good chance we're going to lose both and we probably yeah. should try really hard in the phoenix game and then just you know understand that everyone's ready to go on vacation the next day you know they got yeah. like two suitcases packed here one with all of their <laughs> their regular to-go stuff and then one with like uh like a straw hat and, and big sunglasses 
and uh, a four ounce bottle of sunscreen for Kevin Herter because he can't take a big bottle of sunscreen, but he needs a sunscreen. Uh, just sure. looking out for my ginger friend. Um, yeah, I mean, those are things where you're looking at and uh, like, but when you don't have that type of like leeway left in your schedule, then you're kind of in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a thousand percent. I know that the Nuggets have a couple of players who are questionable tonight. Uh, Jamal Murray and Contavious Caldwell Pope, but I I I want to get to our our matchup to watch because I I think that over the next couple of years, as as the Kings get more and more into the national picture, I think that every Sabonis Jokic matchup is going to get treated like a a. A it might not be Embiid and Jokic because Embiid talks more and makes it a, a bigger deal than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it'll be viewed that way where it's like, hey, here is in a league where everything is getting smaller and more athletic. Here are two uh, really good, multi-talented big men uh, going at it. There's three players like them in the league and two of them are on the court together. And that's a that's a really, really fun thing. And every time these teams go up against each other, you talk about Murray Fox, you can talk about uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Keegan Murray, like oh, there's a lot of talent there, but it, Sabonis Jokic is the one for me, man. I, I I love watching these two go at it. Yeah, I do too. So in, in their first matchup of the season, uh, Sabonis had 17 points, 15 rebounds, and f- seven assists. Um, second second matchup, he had 17 uh, 17 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists for a triple double. Um, Jokic usually scores more. So, again, the first matchup, Jokic had a triple-double, 36, 14, and and 13, and was incredible. But this is, like, the marquee matchup if if you're the Kings. Like, this is a mm-hmm. this is what everyone should want to watch, right? Because I think the league right now, it is filled with super athletes. It's filled with, you know, LeBron James has, has carried this this torch for 20-something years where, you know, a 6'8", 275-pound linebacker is flying over everybody right. and dunking. But then you have... In the league, you have these guys that I would say Jokic and Luka Doncic both are sort of like your out-of-shape guys who just hoop. And then you got mm-hmm. Sabonis who does sort of the same thing st- statistically without putting up the gaudy scoring numbers, but everything else is sort of the same. Um, mm-hmm. But they're just doing it a different way. They're such multi-talented uh, players that that you know set up their teammates and make everything yeah. easier for everybody else. And uh, yeah, I, like... I just want to keep watching it like the whole time. I'm like, this is nuts. Well, that's why it, you hit the nail on the head there with why this is so fun, because it's not the same player just running into each other. They get similar statistics via very different means. Yes. And that's why it's so fascinating to me. But it, I mean, high IQ players, good passers, good scorers. Uh, Jokic obviously impacts the game differently a little bit more because he's just bigger and he uses that size to his advantage in ways that that Sabonis just at what well, I mean not that he's a small guy but um at his size just can't quite get there yeah that and the arsenal that Jokic has it's just crazy like his fall away jumpers where again he's oh my like God. Seven foot one, shooting at the top of his, uh, like fully extended, over the top of you, and he throws a moonshot up, and he does that from the three point line. He does them from eighteen feet. He does them from from eight feet. Like the things that he does without leaving the ground. Uh, like if you <laughs> like if you wanted to slow him down, just throw a bunch of phone books. He can't get over them, 
But sure enough, he, <laughs> he can do some of the most amazing things that we've ever seen. And it's so incredibly difficult to keep him off the glass because he's just a he's such a big dude. Not only is he tall, but like he's a, a big, heavy set dude for a basketball player. He's not what an NBA player typically looks like. Um, but once you get him in the post, it's nearly unstoppable. Uh, like you can't stop him at all, whether it's as a rebounder or, or just him like scoring over you like again and again and again. Yeah. One of the most difficult covers and statistically speaking, one of the greatest like impactful players the game has ever seen. I don't I, like some people yeah. can say, Oh, well, I don't know if he deserved those two MVPs. He not only deserved those two MVPs, he deserved last season's MVP and he probably will win. He'll probably win the MVP again this year. This is a surefire first ballot hall of famer. I don't care if people get upset that he likes his horses more than he likes going out and hooping during the off season. You sure don't <laughs> notice it when he steps on the court. He's just one of the best players we've ever seen. He is shooting at the rim 74.2% this year. From 3 to 10 feet, he is at 59.5%. And from 10 to 15 feet, he is at 57.9%. Yep. He's shooting over 60% from 16 feet and in. That's just, And on top of that, he's a 36.6% three-point shooter. Yeah. I mean, man. Not a lot of holes in that guy's what a, game. What a player. His shot chart's ridiculous for a player his size. It's just, it's all over the court. It is, uh, it's really, really crazy. He's really hard to stop. And I can't wait to watch him and, and Demonis Sabonis battle tonight at, uh, what, the Pepsi? Pepsi? No, it's Center? not, it's Balls. Balls, ball, ball, ball Arena. Ball <laughs> Arena, that's right. Shout out to Mason Jars. There we go. He's the heck out of some Mason Jars here. <laughs> all right, how do the Kings go, in, go into Denver on the second night of a back-to-back and get a win? We'll have some keys to a Kings victory for you next on ESPN 1320. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Hey, everybody. I'm Kyle Madsen. That's James Ham. Kings at Nuggets tonight. Second night of a back-to-back for Sacramento. Coming off a tough loss to the Phoenix Suns. Now they got to get right back inside. I, I honestly, I, I feel like this is almost better for Sacramento that they just go and play Denver now. Well, either way, it's over. To... <laughs> 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 yeah, I just, I, I feel like this is, I, I, I don't, it, it it seems like whenever they have a good game where you're going, okay, yeah, there's the Kings, they're back. They get a couple days off or a day off, and then they come back and they just don't look the same. Maybe this is what they need to build momentum. You have a really good game. You watch some film, figure out what you can do better defensively, but offensively, everything looked great, and maybe you can parlay that into a good performance uh, on the second night of a back-to-back. So what Kyle is saying is after the team started 0-4 in the season on the second night of a back-to-back, he wants yeah. more. He wants more back-to-backs, not, yeah, yeah. not less back-to-backs. Yeah, no, that's 100%. That's yeah, it. in fact, make every game a back-to-back. No days off. Every game. Every exactly. game is a back-to-back. <laughs> I'm trying. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make it... I'm trying to make some uh, kind of... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking for some reason that they're not going to lose by 30 to Denver. Okay. 
I mean, like, look, they have the excuse, and but at this point in the season, the Kings shouldn't have any. They don't have any excuse games left. They don't, they don't get mm-hmm. that anymore. So right, like, right. like there there are reasons why you games in the NBA, and we could easily say that playing Denver on the second night of a back to back and Denver on the road after playing in Phoenix where you had a hard-fought game and you lost and a bunch of your starters played 37-plus minutes, that could be a reason why mm-hmm. you lose. But at this point, you've used all your reasons. The reason notepad where you could say, okay, this is why we <laughs> lost that one. He, I'm going to put that as a reason. Yeah, that mm-hmm. notepad got burned. That notepad is out of paper, and now it's time for you to... Uh, the only thing you have left is a pad that says excuses, and that's what everything else from here on out is. That's the situation that you, the Sacramento Kings, put yourself in, right? So yeah. like so let's get to uh let's get to the injury report for tonight. Um yeah. Chris Duarte is healthy and ready to play. He was healthy last night as well, but uh, I definitely could see the Kings being slightly cautious because it was a pretty good ankle roll that cost him a week plus. Mm-hmm. Very surprised that he is back and up and going after uh, after seeing him in the locker room on crutches. Uh, Sasha Vazenkov is out with a grade three ankle sprain. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that if we see Sasha, it won't be until the last two weeks of the season or so. Like mm-hmm. this is a long long term injury. The Kings have said they're going to reevaluate him in four to six weeks. I do not remember ever a grade three ankle sprain, which is a complete detachment of the ligament being a mm-hmm. four to six week injury. Uh, so we're going to have to see how that goes. Really a bummer. He did it in practice on Saturday, and uh, it sounds like Sasha Vizenkov is going to be out a while. Trey Lyles missed last night's game due to illness. Uh, we'll have to wait for the updated injury report to see if he's going to play or not. And then for the Nuggets, Jamal Murray and Contavious Caldwell-Pope are both questionable with their own illness, uh, ailments. Um, whether they play or not tonight, I'm not sure. I think it's a little strange that they would sit when you're staring at a week to 10 days off and they haven't played since I think it's Saturday, either Saturday or Sunday, they lost to the Bucks. It was uh, Monday. I think they played Friday and then Monday. Oh, okay. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I lose my days of the week because Kyle hasn't been here. Sorry, man. It, yeah, no, it, dude, it's okay. I, I've got nothing for you once football season ends. So <laughs> I just, every, every day is a weekday at that point. There's no I don't have a line of demarcation. No, I... uh, un- unless unless they're going to hurt themselves further by playing, I would imagine both of them are on the court tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I think that there's right. probably a good chance. I'm surprised that they're listed as questionable, especially since they both played last game. Tough spot for the Kings tonight on the second night of a back-to-back in Denver. But how do they pull out a victory? Well, we've got six keys for them, three each. Uh, James has three. I have three. James, what is your first key to a Kings victory tonight? More Star Fox. A I need, great game. I need Fox to just bottle whatever it was that happened yesterday and bring that exact same thing tonight and figure out a way to put up 30, put up 35, put up 40, put up 60. I don't care. <laughs> just go out there and play ball and, and show us that you're back and that you're building for, towards something in the, the stretch run, the final 28 games of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. De'Aaron Fox has to be the the number one guy for them, and I would I would love to see it tonight, especially in this spot. Put the team on his back a little bit. Uh, that said, that ties in a little bit to my first key, and that is team effort. De'Aaron Fox can be the leader, but he needs people following him, especially in the altitude. 
there's there's going to be players who react well to it. There's going to be players who don't. Um, I think the more help that you can get from your bench, the more depth you can get where you're not relying so heavily on one or two or three guys to shoulder the load. I think that only makes things easier for all the reasons we talked about with, you know, with, with the Phoenix loss where Malik Monk had 22 and the rest of the bench had three points combined, all of them from Davion Mitchell. I think that there's that added benefit, but then there's the added benefit of, of lightening the load in the, in the altitude when they haven't had a ton of time to adjust to it. All right. Uh, my second key. Yeah. You have the roadmap to victory for this team. I don't know why you have it. And I don't know that you exactly <laughs> know what the roadmap is, but whatever <laughs> whatever you did last time, do that again. Whatever you did the first time, do that sure. again. Figure it out. Uh, force Aaron Gordon to shoot three pointers. Uh, mm-hmm. Like whatever it might be that you you think you can do against this team, we haven't seen Michael Porter Jr. a lot. He he didn't play on Friday. Uh, Friday or Friday when they played this this team. Like, whatever it is, like, there's a roadmap there. Somebody did the scouting report. I'm assuming it's Doug Christie because Doug does almost all of the scouting reports at this time. Uh, but there's got to be some sort of way that you can beat this team uh, because you've already you've already shown that you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Uh, whether they know exactly what it is or not, <laughs> fine. But they have, to, they have to do it. You mentioned Aaron Gordon. Uh, over his last 15 games is shooting 29.6% from beyond the arc. Yep. Make which means he's it. going four or five, which means he's going four or five against the Kings tonight for sure. Oh, of course. That's definitely happening. Yeah. <laughs> they, the Kings are definitely, if you need to get right from the three point line, this is your team right here. <laughs> Let these guys go play the Kings. Like I, I man, I'm in the worst shooting. So they are the official, the Sacramento Kings for three point shooters in the NBA. They are the official slump buster. Yeah, no doubt. Um, my second key it is a make or miss league, right? That is a phrase that I coined because sometimes you're going to make shots. Sometimes you're not. You guys can all use it. You're welcome. It has to be a make night for the Kings. You can't go nine of 31 from three. If, if that's what they went last night, if you're doing that, the nuggets are going to beat you. But if you can hang around on the second night of a back to back in the altitude, if you can hang around by going, you know, something crazy, like go 17 or 18 of 40 and keep yourself in the game. I, I, I think that that's, that's going to be a big one for, for the Kings tonight. If they, if they're not going to hit their threes, I think they get, I think they get run out of the building. If they are knocking down their threes, I think they can, they can pull out a win. Yeah. I think one of the, the things that are playing into the Kings hands in this game is the fact that this is one of the worst pace teams in the league. Uh, Denver is 29th in the league in pace. So if you are going to play a team on the second night of a back-to-back, sure, it's nice that team might not put a lot of pressure on you to get up and down the court. You still got to get up and down the court and get position because if not, Jokic is just going to be underneath the basket, like scoring every single time. Like, uh, I mean, he reminds me of like that that five foot eleven kid that that, uh, when you go and play a team in fifth grade basketball and and everyone else is like four foot seven and that guy's five eleven. And every just time dominate. he misses, he just grabs the rebound and throws it back up and throws it back up, and you're just waiting for him to miss. Um, that's what Jokic is like. Uh, let's get yeah. to let's see my final key. Uh, you can't you can't afford to give anything away. Show up. Like this is the final game before the break. Leave it all out there. 
Like, don't do the getaway thing. Leave it all out there. Maximum effort. If you give maximum effort and you lose, I think everybody would still be fine with that because this is a brutal stretch. But Mm -hmm. you almost have to see it because if not, I don't know what we're going to get in the second half of this season. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right. If if we're in here tomorrow and we're talking about a 138-110 Kings loss, it's just kind of, okay, we're back to where we were the entire first half. But if they go in and play well, if they show up, then I think the story is a little bit different. Uh, for me, if if you're going to keep your legs anywhere, you got to do it on defense, mm. especially if it's Jamal Murray and Contavious Caldwell-Pope playing, the, Michael Porter Jr. They have so many guys who can knock down a three. You have to run them off the line. It, you cannot you cannot let this turn into a situation where the Nuggets are getting wide-open looks from three because that'll, that'll kill you. Totally agree, That's Kyle. It. Yeah, keep the legs on defense. If things do those things, they'll win. There it is. We, we have okay. given them the roadmap. That's it. We have. It's right there. It is. If As long as they listen to this program, Scouting uh, the Kings report. will go into Denver and win tonight. That's right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> shout out to Mike. Now. All right. Um, okay. That's it. I, I don't have a clock in front of me, so I'm just going to guess that my clock is good. Do we, we have to go? We got to go. Okay, we got to go. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Uh, we have a couple 49ers notes from Locker Cleanout and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch press conferences yesterday. And then we'll dive into some of the good, bad, and ugly from the Kings lost to the Phoenix Suns last night. And we'll have the handoff. One of D'Lo and Casey will be in next on ESPN 1320. Now, back to the insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Final segment here on the Insiders. That's James. I'm Kyle. Uh, rocking from home today and probably for the rest of the week as uh, we fight off the plague. But we are <clears throat> working through it. Having a great time uh, back in here talking basketball with you guys again. Appreciate y'all for for uh, holding it down while I'm, it uh, means the world. So um, talking a ton of Kings. I know the 49ers season ended but there were a couple of notes from Locker Cleanout Day and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's postseason press conferences that I want to touch on before we get to the good, bad, and ugly from last night's Kings game. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so it turns out Eric Armstead, Sacramento Zone, shout out, uh, played through. So in week 13, he hurt his knee, and we never got any specification of what the knee injury was. He just missed uh, weeks 14 through 18 and then returned for the playoffs. It turns out he had a torn meniscus and just played on it in the playoffs and had a sack in the Super Bowl and and played really, really well yeah. in, in the Super Bowl. Uh, that was pretty gnarly. He'll have off-season surgery. It sounds like he'll be ready for the start of training camp or, or near the start of training camp. Football players are just a little different, man. I just am not built that way. I tear my meniscus, I'm done. Like, I'm just... I, I cut my leg off. I'm done. <laughs> You're done. No, I'm in. Was it? The, I, I'm a the, gamer, Kyle. I don't care. The uh, the the Chiefs had a had an offensive lineman who tore his UCL like in the quarter, and he just played the whole game with a torn UCL. Yeah, just like, oh my god. Yeah, that's great. Hey, I'm not going out of that game. You kidding me? And then, no way. And then, then Javon Hargrave had a torn ligament in his thumb that he played through. Uh, so that was the 49ers injury news, and then of course Dre Green lies the torn Achilles uh, that that will uh, likely not have him ready for for the start of training camp. 
Um, it also sounds like, based on what Kyle Shanahan said, that Steve Wilkes is going to stay. Hmm. He said that he expects his entire coaching staff to be back, although Anthony Lynn, the assistant head coach, got hired away by Washington, and then they're losing their offensive passing game specialist, Clint Kubiak, who's going to go be the OC with uh, with the Saints. But it was fascinating because Shanahan got asked about Steve Wilkes early in his press conference, and he more or less was like, well, there's a lot of conversations that we need to have with the draft and free agency. And I haven't even talked to my assistant coaches yet. And da, 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 da. I was like, man, that sounded super non-committal. I don't know how much he's feeling Steve Wilkes. I wouldn't be, uh, I would be looking around. That's what I would do. I, I mean, in all honesty, not to, not to belittle the guy, but there were so many times where it just looked like he was out coach this season. And, you know, you the talent alone on that defense was going to win you X amount of games. But mm-hmm. how many times did he, like, call up a blitz at exactly the wrong time? Or even yeah. in the Super Bowl, you saw it again and again where you didn't see something that they had. And, and they saw it. They knew exactly when to run Mahomes late in the game because they saw the defense that you were running and they saw the hole in it and they just held on to that. I, yeah. I just felt like checkers and chess man and at the end of the day i need a I need a defensive genius i i don't need a nuts and bolts old ball coach uh that that goes out there and basically dials up blitzes using a magic eight ball yeah that's that's what i'm interested to see is if these off-season conversations have anything to do with that because steve wilkes has never been a defensive coordinator for more than one year consecutively hmm He's never gotten a second year as a defensive coordinator. So I'm interested to see if he does get a chance to kind of settle in now that he knows the personnel, now that he's not adjusting things on the fly. <clears throat> I'm I I am in favor of keeping him around because you don't want to have to go through the growing pains of having a new DC once again, especially if there's not somebody that you're super, super confident is going to be better. You had you had 20 weeks to get it right. Mm-hmm. 19. Like, I mean, at a certain point, it kind of, you are who you are. And unless he's going to allow someone else in the room to have more of a voice, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can go through another season with the same thing. Like, I, yeah. again, like if there's a a problem with this team, how do you have one of the greatest, like on paper defensive lines of all time and not mm-hmm. lead the league in sacks, not be able to pressure a quarterback consistently? And to me, that's a problem. Like you got to be able, yeah. to, like I don't know what it is that you're not doing, but I certainly know that the previous couple of guys, they didn't have that whatever it is that you got. Like, yeah, it's a good like point. they knew how to hit it every single time. They had something dialed up that was different, that was unique, mm-hmm. that helped win ball games. And I don't think you know they didn't win in spite of him, but in certain cases they did. So, and they did lose at least one game, maybe two because of him. Yeah. I I think it's interesting because he is a secondary coach. Like that is where he has made his, his living in the NFL and, and in college, but particularly in the NFL as a defensive backs coach. And now he's in a spot where he's running a defense, something that he doesn't have a ton of experience with, but he's running a defense that is very front seven oriented. Is a defense that was built from the defensive line. They dominate in the second level, and then the secondary just kind of needs to not screw anything up. Yeah, at least that's been been the case in the past. 
And now you have a coach who is very secondary focused, trying to figure out a defense that is very defensive front focused. And I, I think that was probably an adjustment too, which is why, which is why I'm in favor of probably giving him a second year hmm. because now, now you can kind of work through some of those things in the off season, make some adjustments and come back better next year. That's, that's where I land anyway. Okay. No, I mean, that's fair. I uh, like, I don't, I, I'm not all for just firing people to fire people, but yeah. at a certain point, like we had the, him coming down from the, from the booth and we had all that yeah. drama and, and like at a certain point, like, look, there is a window that's closing on this team and I want, I want the best of everything in every single position, including the coaching yeah. staff. If you're going to actually get over the hump and win a Super Bowl, Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the last one is that the Brandon Ayuk offseason drama already started. Ayuk's brother was posting on Instagram about how they're leaving San Francisco and he's going to go to Vegas. And then Ayuk, after uh, it is at his locker in his in his locker room clean out at his media availability, he basically was like, "If it's for the best, then I'll stay, and I want to win a championship." And da 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 da. So. All of this Brandon Ayuk contract drama has kicked off. Buckle up, everybody. Yeah, that's not great. He hasn't unfollowed the 49ers on social media yet, but you can bet that's coming. Yeah, this is, in my opinion, the guy that you can't lose. You, you, If there's a way that you've got to lose one of these other guys, that, that hurts. Mm -hmm. But he's the guy that if you're going to be a top-tier offense and you're going to have a... I don't know if you're going to build something with Brock Purdy, you yeah. can't take away like the guy, the guy that yeah. lives in the area that Brock Purdy loves to play in. And, yep. and to me, that's a big deal. I I could not agree more with you. All right, let's put a pin in the 49ers for now. Let's go back to the Kings loss to the Suns last night, 131-25. Although, uh, best loss of the year? <laughs> One of them. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if that's if that's an actual thing. Yeah, it's 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 a loss that it wasn't a bad loss where where we're sitting here looking for answers. Yeah, to me, it just kind of lost a basketball game last night. They played well and, and the other team played a little better. Yeah, I just uh, I, I just looked up and, you know, the game is playing right now and it's one oh eight one hundred with seven oh three remaining. And uh and Fox got clotheslined by Grayson Allen, which again, uh, clear flagrant, right? And e- easily, and he bricks both, both free throws. Could have cut it to a six point. Yeah, just like oh, that's tough. I really can't stand Grayson Allen, dude. Um, yeah, there's a lot to dislike about Grayson Allen, and even like ever, R- just, uh, Reggie Miller, and then, oh, I don't know, Grayson Allen's not really known as a dirty player. It's like, bro, what? Bro, did you do any prep work for this for this game at all? Do do you watch basketball? Like, what are you talking about, Grayson Allen? Not really. I felt like Ram- it was Ramsey hit the nail on the head in the chatty house. Grayson Allen's been dirty since he was at Duke. Yeah, That's he's fact. a tripper. He's a tripper at Duke. He trips everybody. Like, what are we talking Dude. about? It, it was almost like it was the first time he'd ever seen Grayson Allen, and the first time he'd ever watched Simona Sabonis play. Like. What exactly is happening? Like, would that hang on real quick? Would that shock you? No, because when they say, that, "Oh, you know, the national audience," like they don't get to see the Sacramento Kings very often. Okay, I guess Reggie Miller is part of that. He's part of the national audience that that doesn't stay up to watch Kings basketball. Okay, 
That's just weird to have him call the game. Like, well, I, <laughs> I, I, I just, it's his job to to prep, and I guess he, I guess he doesn't. It's like when you have a a, a two year old and you give them ice cream for the first time, and you get to see their face. That's what I felt like Reggie Miller was doing with Demonis Sabonis. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is amazing. I need more. I need more. You're like, bro, he's been this player for yeah. the last like five <laughs> years and people ignore him for some reason. I don't know. And you would figure that, again, where did Reggie Miller play his entire career? Uh, Indiana. Indiana. Where did Demonis Sabonis come from before his stop in Sacramento? Oklahoma City. No, <laughs> Indiana, I know. Yeah, like, come on, bro. Like, that's he played for your team, and you're acting like you've never seen him before. I don't. Know. My bad. Like, sorry. Would it? But that's like the whole deal, right? I guess Is that the whole issue. I guess. Right. How can it be the John, whole issue? Playing, playing as well, playing, but I, I guess like, I don't know. I, I, I hate this. This whole. Not not hate the discussion, but I hate that this is that this is still a thing because it's like we saw the Kings play in the most exciting playoff series last year, like one less than one year ago. They were in the most exciting playoff series of the playoffs. They had that uh, was it the the national TV game against the Knicks, and they and they lit it up and they were awesome. And they've had national TV games this year. They've had a couple where they fell flat, but. It's not like they've been absent from the national TV slate, and I, I if at this point if you're if your talking point about the Kings is like oh wow look the Kings can play, it's like you're you're a year and a half late on that. Yeah, you're a little behind. You're a little behind. So bro. it just it, it's it's nice to to see people kind of recognize what everybody else in in this region has been watching and seeing, and people who really follow the NBA have been watching and seeing. Mm-hmm. Like that's nice, but also like catch up, dog. Like, yeah, do, do the job. Do the job. Um, uh, the, yeah. the good from the game. I I think the, the number one good. Fox looked like Fox. Yeah. Like I mean, you finally got to see De'Aaron Fox return to form, and to me, that's the most crucial part of this whole thing. If if that's who you're getting in the second half of the season, the Kings have a shot. If if it's not, this is gonna be a long twenty eight games down the stretch. Do you want uh, to bring in Kenny for this? Yeah, Kenny, you want to pop in right. and and do uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hang out with us. All right, Kenny Caraway. Oh, I added him. You removed him. There we go. Sure, Kenny sure. Caraway in the building for the handoff. Uh, Kenny, we're doing good, bad, and ugly from the Sacramento Kings loss to the Phoenix Suns last night, and we were just talking about De'Aaron Fox as the number one good thing that happened last night because you felt De'Aaron Fox on the court. I. Could see that he was out there. He was really, really good, and looked like an MVP candidate again. I agree. I agree. I, I, that's what I wanted to see yesterday. That's what I called mm-hmm. for yesterday. I said it was time for him, you know, to step up, be the best player on the on the team, be a leader, and have his presence felt. And he did that. It didn't result in a win, but he he showed up, and he doesn't have to score forty. But I just needed him to 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 be there. And and lead these guys yesterday. Can I can I ask you guys a question though? Yeah, can I ask you a question. Only if I can ask if you're wearing a Dipset sweater first. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying. Oh, Nothing no, says Valentine's Day like the diplomat. Stop playing no with doubt. me. No okay? doubt. Okay. You know what I mean. Computers Putin. All right. Um. <laughs> so you guys were talking about Reggie Miller. A lot of people yeah. were talking about Reggie Miller, and what. 
and how his broadcast was. I was watching my daughter while watching the game. So I wasn't like really, really tapped into what was being said. So maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask this question. But I'll defend Reggie Miller just a little bit. And I'll ask, what would you guys have liked for that broadcast to sound like? I would have liked to sound like he had watched the Kings at least once before on the season. Okay, but like so, so if so, I'll put it to you like this: If he would have watched the Kings ten times, and he knows this is what Domas does, and Domas, you know, has a triple double. He was playing phenomenal, and he was like, "Up, there's Domas with a triple double. That's just what he does every time. You know what it is." We would have been like, "He's downplaying it." Like, like I thought, I thought. He he hyped up and talked about how great Domas was last night because he was great to the umph degree. He was like, "Yo, did you see the movie hit Kevin Durant with a year old? They can't guard him. This is a this guy is bad, and he's not an all star." Like I felt like Reggie did what you would want a national guy to do in that situation. He didn't. He played up De'Aaron Fox and, and Demontis Sabonis as much as you would want a national guy to last night. I get what you're saying, and I, I do agree. But I like the way I, I just a second ago, it was like you're sitting there watching the game with your daughter, and your daughter's never had iPhone. You gave her ice cream for the first time, and you see that look on her face. Mm-hmm. That's what Reggie Miller was like. Okay. Hey, bro, at least like that, and then the Grayson Allen comment where, oh, like, well, Grayson Allen really isn't known as like a dirty player. <laughs> no, that was it's crazy. Like, like bro, <laughs> that's nuts. That's it's nuts. like it's it's Grayson Dirty Player Allen. That's his name. Like, what what are we doing here? Yeah, no, but that, that's what, that was wild. And I think I think to your to 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 both of your points a, a little bit. It not sounding like it was Reggie Miller discovering what has been going on for a year and a half now. That would have been just kind of being like, did you see that movie? This is what the Kings do. Like this is this is what Demonis Sabonis does, and not it, it just felt it felt like disingenuous. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't to, get that feeling it, when I did hear him. I didn't get that feeling, and like I said, I I just I don't know what that sounds like because our guys here, the the home guys, they get like super excited when Domas and Fox do something and they see him every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like, what does that sound like? We're like, we're just used to it. And do you want them to sound that way? Like you want them to get excited. Like if, if, if so, if Domas makes a Euro step on Kevin Durant, you want to be like, Oh my gosh, bro, that's six ten making the Euro step. Like you want that excitement. Like I, I don't know what that's supposed to sound like to make Kings fans feel like it's acceptable. No, I get I get what you're saying, and you do want him to bring I think excitement. Kenny swung me. Yeah, I'm on Kenny's side now. Oh no, <laughs> I, I'm like again. No, don't, don't don't get me wrong. The Grayson Allen comment was ridiculous. I'm okay with I'm okay with sort some of that. I mean, it did like his show notes told him early in the game. Clearly, someone had written show notes for him. Hey, the Kings live and die by the three, and then he forgot about that because we never heard that again after the first quarter. Like the Kings, yeah, he, he could have just said, hey, they died by the three because they're nine of 31. Uh, no, forgot about that take. The whole time it was like it was like he was discovering something for the first time. He and probably it was. Like, was. It was like, okay. Like, I mean, it was, it was, there was like almost like a an innocence to it where you're like, huh. It's just like, oh, well, this Grayson Allen kid, 
I wonder why. Like that, he doesn't have it. Like, oh man. Like outside of that, I was like, I was okay with Reggie. I was just at the same time, like I was surprised he hadn't like understood that that's what Demonis Sabonis is doing. Mm. Like someone like t- tells him like, hey, he's got this is his third straight double double, a triple double. Mm. He's like, oh. He leads the league in triple doubles. They're like in his ear. He's like, he leads the league in triple that doubles. Might, like that might literally be what's happening though. Yeah. I, I don't know how I don't know how it works with national broadcasters in in the NBA because I know in the NFL you know what city you're going to go to and then you fly to that city a few days early and you get to be at production meetings with coaches mm-hmm. and coaches give you all sorts of insight and you interview players and you get to do all this. So by the time and you're watching tape, so by the time you're broadcasting a game as an NFL broadcaster, you could be this team's home announcer mm-hmm. for both teams. Like you just know them, their tendencies, this and that. But in the NBA, I don't, I don't know that it's the same type of deal. I don't know that Reggie Miller is like, oh man, we got King Suns on the schedule. Let me let me call Mike Brown and let me call yeah. Jay Triano yeah. and let me let me get in meetings with De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis and grind tape and figure out what this team is all about. These right. things just kind of show up and react to a basketball game. Right. You know it, who does that? Uh, Mark Jones. Mark Jones Mark flies Jones. all over the country and does exactly what you said, but he does that for college football and the NBA. And the way that he juggles and he knows so much about mm-hmm. what's happening and the inner workings and he's got a story for everything. Mm-hmm. It really is like the craft that you see from Mark Jones is something that uh, where maybe that's where I'm coming from. Like, yeah, I don't need well, someone Mark overly Jones, excited. The whole Mark time. Jones is the best of the best. Oh, man. <laughs> you good. know what I'm saying? Like, that's no, he is. that's that's like uh, that's like saying, uh, I don't know. I was just going to throw out a name, but like comparing the best of the best to somebody that's really good. Like, yeah, they're really good. But this is the, this is the best. So, yeah, Mark sure. Jones, Mark Jones, that dude. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got us on a rant. I was, I and now I, I didn't mean to come at anybody. I hope it didn't feel that way. I just, no, I just want to know just, like what that sounds like to show. people. Crazy. What that sounds like people to to be acceptable. Here, I, then I, I'm just gonna run through the the, the good is uh, Fox looked like Fox. Oh yeah, that's right. We're doing good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> Monk made his case for the sixth man of the year. Sabonis adjusted. Yeah, he his, did. Uh, uh, Sabonis adjusted to small ball. The bad. Thank God. Kevin Herter was effective early but faded. Mm. Uh, Mike Brown wasn't happy Typical. with him and yelled at him. Um, the other bad is not enough of Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray. They got to have more than 17 shots. They got to score more than 15 points. Uh, the other bad is 9 of 31 from 3 as a team. Ugly. Yeah. Uh, with Trey Lyles and Sasha Vazinkov out, you can't have 3 points from everyone not named Malik Monk off the bench. That's mm. just not going to work. Uh, the second ugly, 23 points for Eric Gordon. Uh, who also caught a lob and dunked on you and did the too small thing? You you can't really have that either. Uh, and then that was brutal, bro. That was crazy. Yeah, Eric Gordon catching a lob and dunking, and then in 2024, <laughs> that was tough. I can't believe that Eric Gordon like that. can get up there and dunk. Well, see, that's, I, I got to be honest. That's I, the crazy thing. Like like if if you're if you're talking about the Kings, be like, how do you let that happen? Who would have thought that was going to happen? <laughs> Bro, right, like, like, they look and go, oh, Eric Gordon's going to come backside and catch a lob? Like, okay. <laughs> that was crazy. That's uh, the first time I've ever watched a game where Eric Gordon made a three-pointer. Oh, wow. Swear to God. Don't do that. It, it's not, Don't it's, do that to Eric Gordon. It just Don't feels like every time I see him shoot, he's six feet behind the line and bricks it back iron. There were some games against uh, when the Kings played the Clippers with Eric Gordon where it was like, oh, my gosh. every I, Like, there's nothing you could do. Right. Every time you tried to do anything, there's Eric Gordon uh, just muscling his way past everybody, 
fallaway jumper, three pointer. You're like haymaker. Mm. And hey, the other thing I'll say. The Suns hit some incredible shots. Like oh, we man. can talk about how how uh, Grayson Allen is a dirty player, but that like thirty six footer at the buzzer at, at the shot that was clock, crazy. That, that was wild. Grayson Allen slash Danny Fry hitting that uh, that heave <laughs> three was ridiculous. <laughs> Shout out Danny in San Francisco. He looks like Jimmy G and Grayson Allen. That's so funny. He looks like Matt Vasgersian. Is who he looks. Like. Ah, that's a good call too. Uh, um. Oh, what was I going to say about Eric Gordon and hitting threes and dunking? I can't remember. I got, oh, remember in 2017, I think it was the 2017 series, Game 7, Rockets-Warriors, yeah. when the Rockets went over 27, had an over 27 stretch from three? Yeah. Eric Gordon shot one from above the break on the left side, and it hit all backboard on the right side. <laughs> I have never seen an NBA player brick a shot that badly. Hey, Devin <laughs> Booker hit the side of the backboard late in that game from three, from yeah, the corner didn't, three. You're like, what in the world? Didn't, uh, well, yeah, to your crazy. point, Kyle, didn't Keegan shoot a shot like that last night? Uh, he did, and uh, <laughs> I think Davion Mitchell also, uh, like, he missed. It was something by, in the building. He missed, like, four feet. It was something in the building. I'm not going to blame them. It was, it was the building. That building looks like Arco. That building, it has, it's, it has it's Arco vibes. Too. Inside is bad. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a great, not a great arena. Kyle, we we made it through a show. We did it. I'm so proud of us. Congratulations. We um, did it. We've done it. Welcome back. I'm so, I'm so happy for us. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm hoping to be back in the studio soon. But You're we'll, missing uh, the Valentine's party, just like we are, because it's about to happen right now. I, I, oh no, I, I, I RSVP'd to go too. Yeah. So I was really excited to play bingo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a great time. Starts at twelve. This is great for the whole company. You wear your dipset sweater and everything. <laughs> Just up. Right. I'll do uh, up that's it for me and James. D'Lo and KC are coming up next on ESPN 1320. Sacramento Sports Leader. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.